Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to a special This Week in Marvel on the Scene Report. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M, and this one is a little bit of a dive into Mondo. And you're like, I don't know, Ryan, what's Mondo? Well, Mondo is an awesome company that specializes in posters and toys and board games and soundtracks and they take some amazing artists and they pair them with cool properties in our case with lots and lots of marvel stuff so if you've seen soundtracks to a lot of our television shows those have all come out in conjunction with mondo if you've seen some of the posters for many of our amazing movies there's a good chance they came from Mondo. And so I had the opportunity to go down to Austin, Texas for their big Marvel Cinematic Universe 10th anniversary show where they had a ton of posters, a bunch of them brand new. I believe it was 31 posters and 17 of them were brand new made just for this show. And so the space was really cool. The space is the Mondo Gallery and it is, it's an art gallery. It's got these little coves, white walls, and they hang up the posters for whatever show that they're doing. And so they have all this other stuff for sale, like pins and toys, and then they have a rack of vinyl. It was just a really cool space, and the team was incredible. So we did a bunch of interviews that day with uh, some of the artists who were in town as part of the big show, uh, as well as the creative directors. Oh, one thing I got to say, Mondo fans are amazing. They were lining up probably from about nine o'clock in the morning, camping out around the block, but it was really, really cool. And so, you know, doing this whole thing, I got to learn about some of the artists and you're going to hear that now. But first up, you're going to hear Eric Garza and Rob Jones. Uh, Eric is one of the creative directors. Rob is creative director, but he's also a co-founder for Mondo. And so they've been doing this for a long time. It's really cool to hear their story, their love for Marvel, their love for just pop culture and art and movies and all this stuff. So let's dig in right now. Eric, Rob, how y'all doing? Awesome. I'm great. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Fantastic. Uh, so we're here. It is the opening event for y'all's MCU show. How long has this Marvel Studios 10th anniversary gallery event been in the works? I'd say the better part of a year. You know, we always kind of, when a year is winding down, we look at what's coming up in the following year and if there's any anniversaries or anything. And so we knew that Marvel Studios is going to be celebrating 10 years of incredible films um, in 2018. So as soon as that kind of bug got planted, we were like, yeah, we definitely want to celebrate everything we've done. We've done a long history of doing the Marvel films and, and with Marvel in general. So doing a gallery show felt like a no-brainer. And there's within this, there are obviously pieces that have been available through a couple of years, right? Like mm -hmm. the Tyler Stout pieces. Are, Since we started yeah. at the very first one with our Iron Man, that was actually, I believe, our first officially sanctioned poster with the studio. Yeah, it dates was, back to 2011, so there's about seven years worth of posters, you know, being on display in the gallery show. Yeah, and then a whole bunch of new ones that you, know, you guys are debuting and selling here. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you choose uh, the artists and the, the films? What is that process like? A bunch of back and forth with the other member of this Terrible Troika, uh, Mitch Putnam. We look at the movie and we figure who would uh, really excite us to see tackle it. And uh, usually we're pretty much on the same page. Mm -hmm. Example, we're like Guardians of the Galaxy. We all were like, oh, if we could get Rich Kelly to do this, it'd be the greatest thing ever. And thankfully the uh, greatest thing ever happened. <laughs> yeah, and, and the nick of time. Rich is, and Rich is so cool, like organic feeling the way his figures move it doesn't so look like anyone else nothing else. yeah there's there's a real kind of uh kinetic energy to his pieces and and it's super exciting to see his take on on the guardians so but yeah it's also a bit collaborative with the artists in general kind of reaching out and saying hey what are your favorite films we're doing a marvel gallery show uh what movie would you love to do a poster for so kind of taking artist input in any um that's how you're gonna get the best result is anyone who's passionate about a certain film they're gonna deliver everything they can and everybody in the show really did. I agree, especially that one. You yeah. really do see the enthusiasm coming through in the actual art. Uh, how long have you two been working together? Rob is one of the co-founders and creative directors of the company. So he's been around since the beginning days of Mondo. I joined the company in 2011. Um, so I've known Rob and worked with Rob for the better part of seven years now. How did Mondo begin? And if we have some listeners 
who don't know a lot about Mondo, what is Mondo? Mondo is a collectible and, God, I don't even know now. It's so wide and crazy. It's so different from what it started from. We're basically just a place that makes cool stuff. That's probably what it boils down to. But we make posters, soundtracks, games, collectibles, statues, tiki mugs, mugs, enamel pins, anything that we're like, oh, would it be awesome if we, and then we try to fill in that blank every day. Every day. It was really born out of the gig poster scene, the kind of rock poster. That's the world that Rob comes from. And, uh, you know, the idea, Alamo Drafthouse, which is our parent company, they had this idea of wanting to do this rolling roadshow series where they show films in iconic locations. So Escape from Alcatraz at Alcatraz, for example, things like that. Uh, Kind of the idea of doing the gig poster out of like, well, let's do a poster for these events, for these shows. And then that's just, you know, Rob. They actually want to make me to make one poster that would cover the entire event. They didn't want individual posters. That was a thing. I was like, "How?" They, he just wanted an event poster just to advertise the whole Rolling Roadshow aspect. I had some ideas for it that were like making like an icon for each movie, looking like one of those bad roadside attractions, you know, like the giant Paul Bunyan yeah. deal, but make it Dr. Zaius. But I looked at it and I was like, "This is not the best way to advertise this." And I said, "Look, I really want to get a lot of my uh, kick poster friends because I know what they could possibly do. It's not what I would do." and just do like a gig poster for each movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim League said, well, if you can make that happen with the same budget, go ahead. <laughs> Although he did increase the budget a little bit after I showed him a few results. And uh, those went really well, and I uh, just kept pestering the guy to, hey, we should make posters for this event, that event, this mm-hmm. event. Tarantino's coming, QT6, let's make six QT posters, it'd be great. There's this guy named Tyler Stout, he's doing some great work, I think he'd be a good hire. That was the first time we heard that. <laughs> and it just uh, slowly built up until finally it just exploded all over the place. Um, but that was, that was what attracted me as a fan and as just someone who, like, you know, their ears perked up when I saw this. Like, this is a really wholly kind of unique and original way of seeing something that I've been exposed to my whole life. And I think that core concept just... They took it and ran with it and applied that to movies. You know, movies that have been around for 30 or 40 years you see it in a new way, you present it in a new way. A lot of that comes from the artist, a lot of that comes from the direction on Mondo's part, but just looking at it in a kind of unique, fresh perspective and seeing it as a different way than what tends to be the more Hollywood traditional studio posters. Yeah, I love the breadth of what you guys have covered. I've recently bought the Freaked poster. Because yeah. Freaked ah. is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I also have a Buckaroo Banzai. Well, that's Phantom, a rare one, man. Phantom that's City's. Phantom City Creator's first poster. No, yeah. second poster for us. Versus Rabbit. But, you know, like being able to get amazing new art for movies that mean so much to people is just so important, I think. You know, it's those of us who love film. And it helps, too. Also, these are the same, also just find passions in the artists themselves. Because I will admit, I was, I was not as enthused by Freaked. But Matthew Ryan Tobin is like, oh, please, let me do a poster for Freak if you can make this happen. We're like, okay, great. Do you want to do, this, you want to do uh, some pins, too? Pins. Yes. <laughs> I want to go back a little bit and just the space that we're in now. Mm-hmm. When did you guys open the gallery? First show was March of 2012. It was South by Southwest in 2012, and it was all sci-fi themed. You know, it was just general blanket sci-fi. So there was Planet of the Apes, uh, Ming by Jason Edmiston from Flash Gordon. So, yeah, it was just... I think it was maybe like 50 or 60 artists that we work with, a mix of posters and a mix of fine art of just anything sci-fi. But yeah, so we're going on six years now of having the gallery open and pretty regularly exhibits maybe every two to three months. It's been a wild ride. Outside of this MCU gallery, is there a favorite, like a personal favorite show that you've, you've put together? Favorite, our favorite Mondo gallery yeah. show? I might want to say the first one, actually, just because of such a wild, crazy breadth of uh, titles being attacked. Mm. We had a Doctor Who poster. We had a Dune poster by Killian Ng. I love Doctor Who, and I love Dune. Yeah, that first one was crazy. Um, and oh, we had Brazil from uh, Martin Anson. Oh, mm-hmm. that was gorgeous. And it's just, like, this is one of my favorite shows. I'm a huge Marvel junkie, and I always have been, so this is a personal highlight. And then another Marvel show we did that focused on the comics world of Marvel back in 2015. Or Mike's I'll Marvel count, show, too. And Mike's Marvel show, we did a Mike Mitchell. Um, he's an incredible artist. We did all portraits of, there's like 75 portraits of these characters um, from the comics and, and all that, and it was really great. But Universal Monsters has been up there. We've, we've done a lot. We've done a lot you, of really Saying Universal Monsters is your favorite show is kind of like saying Godfather's your favorite movie. It's just such, <laughs> it's obviously going to obviously be so perfect and great. But there's a reason as well. It's justified. Well, yeah. But no, it, those are 
great shows. That's why we have them about every two years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Mike Mitchell show, I just saw like the breath of what he did, and they're so good. I, I meant to follow up with him to get one of his Modocs. Man, so did you see the big Modoc that was on top of the building? No, I didn't see that. So around the time of that show, we just wanted, we always want to do something that'll catch just passerby's eyes. And Mike was like, can we put a gigantic Modoc on top of, just sitting on top of the building? So we printed out his portrait. I think it was maybe like 10 feet tall or something, this big plywood recreation of his artwork. And it was just sitting on top. And there's great photos of just a gigantic Modoc sitting on top of the Mondo Gallery. But the problem was it was done so well and the Texas sky was so blue that the first shots of it, it just looked like someone Badly photoshopped Modoc on top of the building. No, that's legit. No, it's too sharp and focused. I know it's that. It really is there. So I felt like I was Big Bird talking about Snuffleupagus. It was crazy looking. That actually might be my favorite show, Mike's portrait show. I mean, all the Mondo employees dressed up for the opening on that, so we took a lot of fun photos of us all in Marvel cosplay. But who'd you dress up like? I was Punisher. God, you're so full of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> who did you dress up as? Uh, the greatest hero of all, Rob Jones. <laughs> How did you first start working with Marvel? I think the very first early days were, like Rob said, Iron Man. Um, Whenever the first Iron Man was coming out, we got in touch directly, or the studio maybe got in touch with us, the marketing department, and we just did the poster for that first Downey Jr. film. And then subsequently, as many new movies that came out, we would always be like, hey, can we do more? And we did that for a couple years until we finally agreed to convince them to let us have the license and uh, you know we got the comics license and all the films and I think that was starting back in like 2011. We actually did two Iron Man posters for the first Iron Man movie. The second one was a print of a Daniel Johnston uh, drawing of Iron Man which Mm -hmm. is really strange that that got through but it did. But uh, yeah I mean off the bat we were going after stuff that was you know fun and weird that we didn't see being done elsewhere. Yeah, and I think that's helped you guys definitely stand out. And you mentioned, you know, Mondo makes cool things. The vinyl that's here, there's a bunch of Marvel vinyl. How did you guys get into that business? I was looking for Bruce Lee soundtracks one night, and I was like, oh my God, these are way too much money. I cannot afford them. I was like, geez, there's a lot of soundtracks that are worth a lot of money. This would be a great business for Third Man Records to get into. And I. Talked to my buddy uh, Ben Blackwell at Third Man. I was like, y'all should get into soundtracks. He's like, yeah, we've got a lot of this stuff going on. That sounds like <laughs> a, a huge headache. But thanks for the suggestion. I was like, oh my God, well, actually, this is what we could do. We could totally diversify and get into soundtracks. This will be easy. It was not easy. <laughs> and we started off with a couple records that we had easy access to through our relationships with various directors. And then we had a bit of a lull. And then uh, Beth Waltz Recording Company came out and started killing it. And that just put a fire under us to start going even harder at it. And then we started competing so hard until eventually uh, we joined forces and became the awesome vinyl Voltron that we are today. It's cool because it's, it's, you got the television shows, you've got the video game mm-hmm. now with Marvel Spider-Man for PlayStation 4. Oh, that game's great, isn't it? So good. So much fun. And the music this is so This guy, good. the photo mode, he couldn't get enough of it. I think he took more, spent more time taking photos in the game than actually playing the game. It's true. Mode. I had to set up a burner Twitter account just to upload my photos <laughs> for the PlayStation. Oh, Lord. Oh, All the great. ones around Ben's grave. <laughs> Check it out, man. It's raining. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. It's raining. So I set up. I, Peter went to go visit Uncle Ben, and it's, it's nice kind of art school photography, and he's walking away from the grave. Very, very moody, very good stuff. Oh, but, man. man, that game's great. Sorry to get off in the weeds there. No, I, I've put a lot of time into that game. I, <laughs> yeah. the, I, two of the things that I love, I collect because I, I go to the Alamo Draft House in Yonkers, which is near where I live, and I think I've gotten every Star Wars and Marvel glass. Pint glasses. The pint yeah. glasses, and I, I love the pins. Mm-hmm. When did you guys start doing like those types of pieces? We started doing pins a long time ago. 2013, I think, was when we started with the pins. With, well, no, with, well, I'm just saying just pins in general, but we didn't oh, yeah. really make that many. Mm-hmm. We made maybe about... Uh, count them on one hand, but then we partnered up with uh, another great artist. We work with Tom Whalen, who also just grew up in the Marvel machine, and yeah. he's like, "Yeah, I love these. Let's do it." And it was, "What do you want to do? What characters do you want to do?" And all of us just geek out, and we've we've done all the the major heroes. Then we go we go super far off. Uh, we did Agent Venom, which is something that our like, most successful pin to date. <laughs> some, I love that book. I love Remender's Agent Venom book, and I was like, "Let's guys, we got to do Agent Venom. We got to do U.S. Agent." <laughs> like so. Yeah, just really going crazy with it. And then the pint glasses, I think, 
That's a more recent, like 2015, 2016, again, partnering up with the studio and the marketing teams directly and for every new film that comes out, wanting to do a glass to, to kind of commemorate and celebrate the, the new Marvel release. Yeah, that's it's great. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you guys do the, Grem, was it the Gremlin? Uh, Tiki Mug. Tiki Mug from you guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Brock Otterbacher, who uh, is our creative director for Toys and Collectibles, uh, really is super passionate about Tiki and its whole world. And I mean, who knows, maybe one day we can maybe make some Marvel Tikis, but. Yeah, no, he came to us and he was like, he loves Tiki Mugs and all of us, none of us are as far in Tiki culture as he was. And he was like, Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Okay, speaking for myself. You everyone. got six, it's, on your Instagram, you got like six different tiki bars you've been to. This guy has. But yeah, I mean, that, that really is just like, I think Robert alluded to it earlier, a lot of Mondo is just driven by the kind of passions and energies of the people that work here and say, hey, I, I really want to do this. And all of us say, cool, go for it. We support you and let us know if we can help in any way. You also, I'm looking at the poster for the thing over here, and uh, that thing board game is tremendous yeah. i love that you guys are doing that as well but you also mentioned toys showed some stuff at san diego this mm-hmm. year potential future fun marvel stuff yeah definitely again brock brock otterbacher creative director of toys and collectibles um we're doing marvel mechas so they're kind of like you know giant robot gundam style of marvel characters and i think at comic-con we had spider-man prototype on display and rendering prototypes for black panther and captain america i believe but i can't wait for those to be a real thing that we can actually hold on our hands so they're going to be one six scale uh 12 inches and they look amazing so it, if he gets to do everything he wants to do with that line, it's going to be pretty mind-blowing. I think mm-hmm. that's really going to take uh, collectors by storm. And then, yeah, board games. That's I think that's our newest avenue. Uh, we started with, we partnered up with USAopoly last year to release uh, a game inspired by John Carpenter's The Thing. And um, yeah, that was our first one. And same thing, that was kind of driven by Jay Shaw and, uh, and Tim Weish, who love board games, love tabletop games. And they're like, guys, run with me here I got an idea yeah. and all of us said cool go for it you know Godspeed yeah. and, and they did it and they're, and they're off and running off to the races and what they have kind of in the pocket and coming down is, is also so exciting um, so that's well, we're also lucky that we got Luke Myers from um, yeah. USAopoly he's like hey y'all guys look like you're having fun can I come on I'm like yeah <laughs> come on over yeah it's dope alright finishing up your favorite Marvel Studios film easy <laughs> For me, it is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. I think that's a movie that really changed the game and the formula for Marvel movies by adding in kind of more complex themes, not just treating it like a black and white superhero movie. There are shades of gray, and there's themes of like you know, political and conspiracy thrillers, and also Captain America is just, that's the, my favorite trilogy, my favorite character, and Winter Soldier is my top movie. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 It's the movie I've seen the most in the theater since Star Trek IV, when I was a kid and going to the theater lab. I just love the hell of that movie. I love Michael Rooker in it. I cry every time he says, I'm your daddy, oh Lord. <laughs> and it's got Stallone in it. Everything's just so great about that movie. How can, Winter Soldier, get out of here. <laughs> uh, it's not a universe in that movie. What about you? What's your favorite movie? Oh gosh. Uh, I don't, Ragnarok really sticks with me. Yeah. Uh, I grew up a Thanos guy, like reading the Infinity Gauntlet. So mm-hmm. seeing Infinity War come together was was really great. Seeing him uh, sit on that farm at the end was just that, <laughs> that made me so happy. It was like, where is the scarecrow? Scarecrow with the armor. His his costume. Yeah, like uh, that's all I need. Uh, what a movie. Yeah. On that note, I think I'm gonna wrap up. Uh, where can <laughs> fans find more about Mondo, and if they want to follow you guys on social? About Mondo, our Instagram handle was at Mondo News, as well as that applies to our Twitter as well, at Mondo News. Uh, MondoTees.com is our website. And I think, I think that's it. Not, no, it's not it. It's going to keep on going. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Up next is Cesar Moreno, and he did the Iron Man piece. It was the first one that they revealed for this show as they put it on their postcards and all the advertisements for the event, and it was really neat. He was lovely, and he's a big Humberto Ramos fan, as you'll find out right now. Cesar Moreno, how are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited because we're here in Austin. Uh, It's only my second time at the Mondo Gallery, but we're here because you have a piece 
in the Marvel Studios' first 10 years show. Uh, what's your piece? Oh, my piece is Iron Man, the first one. And um, it's great because uh, Mondo guys gave me the movie title and if they let me choose, I will choose that one. <laughs> so it was uh, a really cool coincidence that it was my favorite movie from the MCU and they gave me. 10 years on, it's still your favorite. It's still my favorite. What makes it still your favorite? Um, that movie is something that you didn't see at that time on uh, superhero films. And uh, on my very ignorant opinion, I think uh, Tony Stark is the very heart of the MCU that, yeah. that perform and that soul. I remember we were in the movie theater, the whole Marvel company, for the, our first screening of it in New York City. And we were all like, okay, this could be great. Let's all be really hopeful. And then it finished and we were all like, Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. It was, the, it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, and it's still, like you say, it resonates even to this day. Yeah. Now your design, we, we've seen it, that's sort of been the promotional art for this show. How did you come up with that particular design of Tony, you know, working at the, uh, the Forge? Um, that was particularly hard because it's been 10 years from that movie and it's been a lot of amazing artwork. And... Um, I want to go with something simple but powerful. Mm. And um, I know the armor is one of the most biggest eye candy of the movie, but I want to avoid the armor in order to get into Tony Stark, especially in the cave scene when he has that epiphany of he built an, an armor for the outside, but he needs to rewire himself on the inside in order to to get that transformation. Yeah, he was a very different person. Yeah, and, and that was what I want to do. I want a big Tony Stark hammering in a very simple and strong way. It's very iconic, too. Yeah. You know, it's one yeah. of those pieces in that film that sticks in your head. Yeah. Holding the hammer, getting his hands dirty. Yeah, and a lot of things is happening in his head, in his moral compass. At the same time, he is hammering and forging. I wanted to put that in, in, in a poster. Yeah. So, so what, what was the process for you? Do, do you do uh, sketches, thumbnails, design, like multiple versions, or did you just have it right away? Well, uh, that movie, I, I've seen it like 10 times. So I have a, a pretty good storyboard of, of the scenes. And I rewatch the movie, the movie, take notes, and I assemble in a, in a sketch. Then I send it to Mondo Guys. They give me feedback. It's a back and forth process. Yeah. But yeah, they give me total freedom and that's, it's 95% of the stuff that I put in the sketch, what you can see in the final artwork. That's pretty amazing too, especially with Marvel Studios and Marvel and yeah. being so big and everything is so iconic, having that freedom and then it working so yeah, well, it must be nice. It's a lot of responsibility. It's great. Uh, what's your like origin story with Marvel? How did you first get exposed to the characters and okay. the art? My very first Marvel moment is the 60s cartoons I watch on Saturday mornings. And um, I did that from when I was five years to 15 years. <laughs> it was not, not only as a child. I was enjoying that cartoons. I used to live in Mexico City. So there was a lot of reruns of the show for 10 years. <laughs> the, the same episodes were running and running all over again all the Saturday mornings. So that was my first approach to, to Marvel. All the Captain America, Iron Man, Thor. And um, that Kirby style defined me a lot as an illustrator. Yeah. And, um, and after that, um, I studied graphic design. And then I, I met Humberto Ramos, which is one of the biggest comic celebrities all over the world, not yeah. only Mexico. I met him 18 years ago. He was doing uh, his earliest things for big comic industry. And um, he was very open to talk to, to the people who were studying graphic design. And that small talk I had with him for 10 minutes and he showed me the his sketchbook that changed my mind as an illustrator. 
Yeah. It changed completely my, my mind. And um, I can say I, I was over-influenced by him. And um, I mean, I, I think most of the comics industry yeah, has been influenced exactly. by him over the last 20 <laughs> yeah. years. And uh, it defines my, my graphic style in a way and helped me in that stage. And he was being a, a major influence all over these years. And I'm, I'm a big follower of him. Have you seen him or talked to him? I mean, you, you mentioned yeah. that was 18 years ago, but I mean, I believe he's still in Mexico City. Did you get to see him? Yeah, I have a, a, a really great moment with him because uh, a good friend of mine knows his dad and he um, managed to set a, a small encounter, just he, he and I, in his parents' house. And he was so cool and kind because he gave me half an hour from, from his Sunday, from his family time, just to chat with some fan, random fan. I was blown away by, by his kindness, his advices. That's something I really appreciated. He just brings joy to people, yeah. which is wonderful. Uh, did you ever read comics? What was the comic scene like uh, in Mexico? It's, it's a, a never-ending struggle <laughs> because um, the fans are the ones that open comic book stores. Uh, there are very few comic book stores, so probably you don't have the, the latest thing or the most great inventory. But I'm not a, 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 a reader. I'm mostly for the drawings. For the drawings, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but you're a graphic designer, exactly, you know, you're yeah. really thinking about aesthetics. I, I bought a lot of comic books, but I'm not following a, a single story. Uh, I want to, the comic that attracts my attention to the eye, it's the one I bought. And I want to analyze it most graphically than storytelling. Yeah. It's something that I have to work with <laughs> <laughs> on it, but yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my current comic relationship. Sure, yeah, yeah. And you said you were running a graphic design studio, right? Exactly. How do you go from running the graphic design studio, or was it while you were there that you start getting into sort of this scene, the, you know, the posters and the art, and getting into something like a Mondo Gallery? Um, I used to run a, a graphic design studio, and we were focused on, on advertising and a um, lot of art direction for websites. And, mm -hmm. and um I always been an, an illustrator, but after 12 years of doing advertising and all that stuff that sometimes is not the most fulfilling thing to do, I want to try a full-time illustration work focused on pop culture. Mm -hmm. And um, I've started doing some fun arts, and Mondo guys find some fun arts on the internet, and uh, they, they contact me. It was a very natural flow yeah. in order to... And right now... I'm fully dedicated to pop culture illustration. What was the first sort of solo pop culture movie piece that you were actually commissioned and paid for? Because I know, you know, some, I know so oh, many yeah. artists who they do it and they get out of it. Like, that's how you get seen is just doing stuff on your own. But what was your first piece that someone said, we want you to do this, we want to pay? Uh, actually, it was Iron Man. It was for a cover of a, of a magazine, of, a, of an airline magazine. So it was 2008. And they had an interview with, with Robert Downey Jr. And they were the, uh, an illustrated Tony Stark. That's cool. That was my first pop culture paid job. <laughs> and, and it all comes full circle. And, uh, yeah, exactly. It's yeah, awesome. It a... Cesar, uh, where can fans find you online, website, or social media? My website is pinchemoreno.com. Uh, it's not uh, <laughs> It's not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> it's... it's, it's um, um, my social networks are the same. Great. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. All right, I talked to Truck Torrance, who you may know as 100% Soft. He does all those wonderful Marvel Studios emojis you find on Twitter. Uh, we actually have pins of his art right now. We're going to get into a lot of that. His poster for the show was for Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Dig in now. All right, we've got yeah. Truck Torrance, the man, the myth, the legend, known as 100% Soft. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's a proper introduction. I felt like you, you deserved it. Yeah, thank you. you. Know? Thank you. Uh, Truck, we, I don't remember. We first started talking years ago yeah. over just because I liked your art, yeah. I think. Uh -huh. And now you've, you've been doing Marvel work 
pretty heavily mm -hmm. for the last, I would say, like six, seven years, maybe? Yeah, about five years. Five years? Mm -hmm. Six, seven, eight years? Yeah, about 40 years. Yeah, about 40 yeah. years of Marvel work. Yeah. Uh, it, was like, it was like me and Stanley and Kirby, the big three. In the bullpen, yeah. smoking one of those big stogies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. It was great, we had a, we had a good time. I, I'm, I'm so glad you could be here mm -hmm. for this then. How did you first get the working on the Marvel stuff? Well, I had, I had uh, done a lot of gallery shows in Los Angeles that are pop culture based. So some of that stuff would involve Marvel characters. And then also, the, these are characters I grew up with. I mean, I started reading comics from a very young age. The first thing that I remember drawing was Spider-Man. When I got older and I uh, would start drawing stuff just for fun, aside from work projects, I would draw Marvel characters and they're my favorite. And so I just really like to draw them and put them up on Instagram and see if people like them. And so what ended up happening is I got contacted by Marvel Studios to do the first round of emojis for I think Civil War. Marvel yeah. Studios' Captain America Civil War, available yes. now on home entertainment. Yes, exactly, yeah, it's a great film. And so I think we started with Captain America and Iron Man, and then we unloaded the rest of the cast, which, you know, there's 100 million people in that movie. And then from there, we just started doing more and more projects together, whether it was uh, animated GIFs or emojis or anything else, really. Uh, I remember around the time of the big game when we debuted a lot of those mm -hmm. emojis, we also had large cutouts of yeah. the emojis, which was so fun. I think we brought some of those back to the office and then the stars of the film would mm -hmm. come in, they'd play with their own ones. It's got to be surreal to see your art used in all these different ways. Yeah, for sure. I still have that picture of Chris Evans holding his big Captain America emoji. And I mean, that was just a thrilling moment because I'm a big fan of him as an actor and I'm a big fan of him as Captain America. And to see them interacting with that art is really fun. When you say that you started drawing Spider-Man mm -hmm. and then these characters, what is it in the style that we see your, your style now? Did you like... When I was younger? Yeah. No, I mean like when, when I was, you know, when I was very young, it was just kind of a, like I wanted to be a comic book artist when I was a kid. That was like my dream. And so I would try to mimic the styles of the artists that I really liked, like Mark Silvestri and Jim Lee and stuff like that. And I just wasn't that good at it. <laughs> and so as I progressed as an artist, I started to kind of distill down what I was actually good at. And that kind of came down to making these really simple, like deceptively simple shapes and putting it together in kind of a cute way that takes the most identifiable elements of these characters, but makes it simple and cute. Yeah, and it, it works so well. And then with that style, it allows you to do so much detail and, mm -hmm. and, and big tapestries. Yeah. What is the biggest piece that you've ever put together? The biggest piece I've ever done is I did a nine and a half foot long piece for the movie Snowpiercer starring Chris Evans. And it shows the entire length of the train. You follow the story of the movie through each compartment till the very end. It was massive and carrying it to the gallery was like a feat in <laughs> itself. And then I did a five foot long piece for Mad Max Fury Road that kind of involved like every character and battle you could imagine from that movie. So while I have these characters that do look simple, I do like putting them in these wild, scenarios that where I can just put in as many things as possible. Am I misremembering there's like a vertical building one? Was that a Die, die hard? hard? Yeah, Die yeah, Hard. The Die Hard mm -hmm. piece was great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that was a favorite of mine. All right, you enjoyed Marvel. Let, I want to dig into a little bit more of that. What was your first exposure? To Marvel? Yeah. Comics, for sure. Yeah. My mom used to buy me comics before Costco was Costco, it was Price Club. And Price Club used to have these comic packs. It was a Marvel pack and it would have like, I think like 15 issues and she would buy it for me, and then I would just tear through all of them. And whatever comics I really liked, I would then go to the comic book store and then try and buy all the back issues that I could. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Santa Barbara, okay. California. Yeah, a lot of good comic shops out in, in California. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Easy to find yeah, like a definitely. place that can feed that hunger. My mom was a children's book illustrator and, a, and an artist in her own right, and she used to do trade shows if a comic vendor was there or Marvel was there, she would buy me graphic novels of stuff and bring them back to me so I wouldn't have to buy all the back issues. Mm -hmm. So I had like the Daredevil Born Again, which I read when I was nine years old or something. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that was some pretty heady stuff for a nine year old. I have a very fond memory of reading Punisher World Journal 
six and seven that have Wolverine versus Punisher, uh-huh. and it's super violent and yeah. really intense. And I was seven or eight years old. Look at how I turned out. Right. That's all going to be fine, yeah. kids. Yeah, Don't worry sure. about it. So how did you get into the pop culture art, working with different studios and, and films and stuff like that? I worked as a graphic designer primarily for a very long time, and I put drawing kind of on the back burner, and then... In the mid-aughts, there was a big boom around Los Angeles with pop culture art getting prominence. And so these galleries like 1988 were starting to pop up and they were having these big themed group shows that were all revolved around things that I grew up loving, whether it was like TV shows or movies or whatever. And I would look at those shows and I would get so envious because I wanted to participate, but I didn't have any work to give them, you know, that I was like too insecure to show anybody. And so I finally just like really dialed down having a portfolio and I sent this portfolio out to like all my favorite galleries. And I said, here's who I am. This is the art I do. I love the work, the shows that you guys do. I'd love to participate. And almost all of them replied to me with offers to shows to be in. And so I started uh, participating in these gallery shows. The first like big one I did, I think it was like an Edgar Wright retrospective show that was at Gallery 1988. And so, you know, there's like a hundred different pieces of Shaun the Dead and Hot Fuzz art. And people really seemed to like the work that I was doing. And so it just kind of snowballed from there. Like I said, I wanted to be a comic book artist when I was a kid, but I couldn't do it because I I wasn't good enough for that kind of style, you know? So it's really cool to be able to find some way to participate. Yeah, and it's amazing because now we're here at the Mondo Gallery Mm -hmm. for this 10th anniversary celebration of everything that Marvel Studios has done. And you've got a really cool piece. What's your piece and how did that come together? My piece is for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And they basically just gave me a pick and and I said that one. I love that movie. I think it's a lot of fun. James Gunn's usage of like color and just his aesthetic value in that movie is is so vibrant. And so I really wanted to do something that was filled with color and representative of the characters. Any excuse I get to draw Kurt Russell, I'll take it. Have you done any other Kurt Russell pieces? Yeah, I mean, I've I've drawn every (laughs) Kurt Russell imaginable. Big Trouble in China, The Thing. Overboard, whatever. Favorite Kurt? Jack Burton, for sure, 100%. Yeah, it's hard to go wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you touched on the coloring of the film because it really fits. When I think of your aesthetic, it pops. The purples and the pinks and the blues and the greens and just explodes off of whatever piece you're doing. Is it always been that way when you've been thinking about the things that you want to do, always going sort of that high contrast color? Uh, I think so. I mean, I can vacillate between soft pastels and bright neons. Mm-hmm. My favorite colors are purple and pink, basically. Those colors just make me happy. Now we have a, a pins mm-hmm. of your emojis. Yeah, there, true. How many of those are there? There's going to be 16. You had to have done more than 16, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I've done almost every Marvel character that you could care about. <laughs> um, I just did a commemorative print a few months ago that had every single character on it. You know, everybody from Trevor Slattery to the Red Skull to Captain America to Thanos to the Black Order, everybody. Who's your favorite to, to draw? I really like drawing Vision. Mm-hmm. He's always been kind of one of my favorite characters, but I, I always give him kind of a blank expression because, you know, he's still kind of learning emotions and stuff. I love drawing Captain America. I've drawn, like, Tiny Steve before the serum. I did an animated GIF of Tiny Serum Steve transforming into Buff buff Steve, you know? I like how you got buff yeah. to, to well, really... Yeah, that's my buff stance. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. For sure. Is uh, Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 your favorite of the, the slate of films? <laughs> it's up there. I would say, like, my current favorite right now is maybe Thor Ragnarok, but that's probably a good one. And I, I'm a huge fan of the first Iron Man. When I saw the first Iron Man movie in the theater, I was kind of blown away that they had pulled it off. I was hopeful, but I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was, much less kind of be the ground level foundation for what they built the whole studio on, you know? Yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, for and sure. here we are, 10 yeah. years later. 10 it's years. wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, Truck, where can fans find your work and more about you? You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at, at 100soft. Easy. Very easy. I'm an easy guy. Oh, thanks, Mm -hmm. Trent. For sure. All right, up next, we're going to have Oliver Barrett. He did a Marvel Studios Captain America Civil War poster, which is 
awesome. Like looking at that up close, the detail he puts into it, it's like a fluid piece of art. You got to check it out on Marvel.com or on Mondo's website and his social media. He's really cool though. Great dude. Hopefully we're going to have him buy Marvel again, give him a little tour, but he was neat. Check him out right now. Oliver, thanks for joining us. Thanks for Um, having me. So we're here, we're in the Mondo space. What is your poster and how did you get to be a part of this uh, gallery show? I did a poster for Captain America Civil War and I was super excited to find out that was the film that I was assigned because I feel like of all the pre-Infinity War films, this is the film that closely resembled like how I felt like as like an 11 year old kid where it was like, <laughs> I'm gonna take all my action figures, I'm gonna mash them all together and just make them beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> so it was a super good fit. But also it was really tough because it's like, how do you make a poster for this movie that's not the same thing as all the key art where you've got the heroes on one side and it's sort of like a West Side Story, like dudes on one side like this and dudes on the other side like this. (laughs) So we kind of threw a bunch of stuff at the wall and it was like, okay, who's right? Who's wrong in this scenario? Because you have all these heroes that are fighting against each other and there's a good guy and a bad guy, but there's not here because they're all technically good guys. (laughs) So the idea was to take every hero in the movie, pair them off and have a version where one guy's winning and the other guy's losing and vice versa. And it was a lot of drawing. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) But it looks gorgeous. Thank you. It came out really well. It's very striking. Yeah, like the plan was to not have it feel like a choreographed like summer blockbuster superhero fight, but more like Walmart on Black Friday type of thing. (laughs) Where it's just chaos. It was one of those things where it's like, this is a great idea. And it was like, this is a terrible idea. I have to draw all of this now. So you say you threw a bunch of stuff at the wall. Did you have a bunch of different versions you were thinking of at yeah, first? Yeah, yeah. I think like that was sketch number 11. Wow. But the thing was, is all 10 before that were like, okay at best. Like it was still a lot of stuff that's resembling the key art, which is always something I'm trying to avoid because working with Mondo is like a really, really great opportunity for any artist. And I always try to make the most out of that by doing something that has my own voice, my own spin on it, rather than just being like, I'm gonna take these studio assets and put them all together in a collage. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Sure. But it's just, I wanted to put my own flavor on it. What is your Marvel origin story? How did you first get connected to the characters, the stories, our universe? I lived in a neighborhood that had not a ton of kids in it, but enough. And I made friends with the guy that lived down the street and his older brother had this binder full of cards and I'm like what the heck is this these aren't baseball cards these aren't basketball cards I think the first one I saw might have been cable or something like that and I'm like who is this crazy dude with like a glowing eye and all these pouches all over him what is this about do you remember what year this was like 91 okay like, yeah those cards in like 89 90 91 92 yeah super influential on me and so many of, of our creators yeah and I started collecting them there so that like it was the cards before the comics but the thing that got me super into it was like the masterpiece series where everything was like a really really like realistically rendered painting Joe Jusco and yeah a lot of different artists absolutely yeah. so I started collecting those and then I got into the comics and it sort of just evolved from there. Like I was a really big fan of the X-Men arcade game. You know, it's always interesting, especially in that time period, where we gravitate towards. Cause I was a big X-Men kid as well. I loved Spider-Man, had Same. no connection to the Avengers. I got into them later, but like Spider-Man for me was, I didn't start reading Spider-Man until after I'd played the Maximum Carnage game mm. for Sega with Green Jello. Oh yeah, quite familiar, red cartridge oh, and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> that game. Yeah, so there was that, and then I got the comic books and I read through that. I sort of drifted back and forth. Sometimes I would read a run, sometimes I would just read about it, so I would stay abreast of things. And then the cool thing about doing Civil War is that when the comic run came out, I was on tour with my band and we had the entire day to kill, so I grabbed the whole thing and just read it in a borders for like two hours. (laughs) And that was like my favorite day of that tour because it was a really crappy time. But then fast forward, and I actually get to do a poster for the movie, which is awesome. What was the band? Above This Fire. Above This Fire. Yeah, it's a metal band. Cool. Yeah, I'm still in it. Like a decade and a half later. I love the intersection of music and comics and how musicians absorb comics sure. or movies or superhero movies, whatever it is, as a way to get through such a weird experience of being on the road and away from your family and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and that, at that time, it was before the iPhone had really taken off. Like, I think the iPhone 1 was out, but it wasn't one of those things where you could just spend the entire time staring at your phone. So I would just buy volumes of comics and just read them in the van. 
and that was one of them. Were you the only uh, comic guy in the band? Yeah. Oh, that's a lonely road, man. It is. <laughs> so I would be sitting there reading, and everybody's like, hey, what you reading? And they're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Go away, nerd. No, it wasn't so much nerd. Good. It was just like, oh, Spider-Man, what's he doing? And I would tell them, and they're like, that's... You're not fighting Venom? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So then how did you get into this world? You said you, you sort of fell backwards yeah. into all this. I'd been drawing since I was a little kid, but I was working at a at a branding agency that did a lot of illustration for certain projects, and those were the projects that I really, really liked because it was like, cool, I get to do everything that I love. Illustration and branding and layout and all that stuff. But they were pretty few and far between, so I would do it on my own. I would just draw whatever and just try to turn it into something and post it on like Flickr at the time. This was like 2007, 2008. And then I started seeing like the Alamo Draft House stuff, and I was like, oh, that was awesome. And then I knew Ollie Moss from a design message board, and he had invited me to some other group chat type of thing with some other designers. I think it might have been like a couple of years later, uh, Mike Mitchell did his Marvel show down here, and I was like, you know what? I don't have anything going on this week, I'm really bored. I'll fly down here for that. And then I did, and I don't know if it's because I just was a guy that showed my face enough times that they invited me to something else. Both MondoCon 1 and MondoCon 2, I was there with no Mondo-related projects at all, and I was kind of like, what am I doing here? But did you have stuff at other galleries? Other yeah, other stuff I, published I, I had been post? showing things at like Spoke Art and Gallery 1988 and a lot of those like other pop culture things. It was really tough because I'm like a small, like I was a smaller name at the time, and like I'm, all these things are coming out of my own pocket, and not all of them sold. So I actually quit my job to try to make this happen failed miserably because I spent too much money on things that didn't sell, went back to working for an agency, got fired, and then was forced <laughs> to figure out how to get good at this. And at the same time, I was getting invited to like these things here, just like to you know sell whatever I had. I don't know if they just needed somebody to fill a booth or what. But eventually they asked me to do some work. It went really well. I just kept doing it, and I don't know, I just, I guess, stepped up to the plate and just did my best work. Yeah. And I'm just trying to continue to do that every time. Now you mentioned there were a bunch of pieces that you funded yourself, did yourself. Yeah. What were some of those? Like, what did you start with? And then what is the first piece that someone commissioned you to, to start doing? There was a Quentin Tarantino tribute show at Spoke Art in San Francisco, and I did this thing from Pulp Fiction. It was Samuel Jackson's character. It sold out, and I was like, oh wow, that's crazy. Like the first print I ever did sold out, and then they did like a a Coen Brothers thing and I did a bunch of Big Lebowski prints and it's sort of like a cheat code type of thing. It's like, who doesn't love the Big Lebowski? Those all sold out. I'm like, oh man, this is it. I found it. And then Gallery 1988 had me do something for a Pee-wee show they were doing and I was like, I'll just do the same thing. And I printed them all myself, just like the other ones. And I think I might have printed like 200 or so. And I sold 10. <laughs> and then there was a couple of the shows after that and it was like the same thing where it's like, oh man, this is, this is it. I'm going to make up for all those with this one. I sold like five, ten, maybe like a couple here and there, and I was trying to sell them myself, and like people back home were just kind of like, that's cool, I'll give you ten bucks, type of thing, and I'm trying to sell them for 40, and it's like, this is not what I signed up for. I kind of put my tail between my legs and went back to work, and then got fired. For, for That's a good like story, though, and it, you still come full circle and get to the place where yeah. you wanted to be at, right? Yeah, I had made a lot of friends just from coming down here and just, like, we were sharing artwork amongst each other and critiquing it and whatnot, and I kind of developed relationships with people that way. And I think that's how I ended up getting commissioned to do some stuff for Mondo. The first poster I did was for The Martian, and just sort of like, okay, what can I do that's my spin on this movie? I'm just gonna go for it and not worry about whether it's too weird. Because that's the other part of those. I, I try to do something new every time, and it was like, okay, I'm going to break the top of his head off and fill it with mountains. Like that type of thing. And it, it worked, and it sold. So they're like, cool, keep going. And it's great. It kind of went from there. Awesome. Well, where can fans find you online, social media, all that stuff? Sure. Uh, you can find me at oliverbarrett.com, Instagram slash oliverbarrett, Twitter, I'm oliverbarrett. Uh, it's awesome. Thanks, Oliver. Sure thing. All right, fourth artist that we talked to is Becky Cloonan. Uh, Becky is wonderful. I actually first met Becky 
many, many years ago when I was an editor at Wizard Magazine and I worked on a section about independent comics and a book that she had worked on back in the day. Uh, that was one of our picks of that month. So um, it was cool talking about that with her and then talking about just all the stuff she's done, working with Steve Dillon, which was a really fun part of this conversation that she and I dig into. But her piece was for Marvel Studios' Thor, and it's awesome. Becky Clunan, hello. How hello, are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Good. Uh, so we're here. We're at Mondo, part of the big Marvel Studios 10th anniversary gallery show. And you've got a piece. What's your piece, and how did you get to be a part of this? Um, I did Thor, the first Thor movie. Um, and I was actually just, Rob Jones just emailed me Wednesday, like, how do you feel about Thor? And I was like, he's great. <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, that's how I got into the show. <laughs> Rob Jones, creative director, one of the creative directors here at yeah. Mondo. Uh, what was your first piece for Mondo in general? Um, it was Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, actually. Kind of a weird one. Yeah. Uh, not, it's not a weird one, I guess, but it's a little old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of the things we always like to ask here on the show is, what is your Marvel origin story? How did you first get connected to the characters and... and the universe. Oh, um, when I was very young, I would say like, I think eight years old, my dad had got some Silver Surfer comics and like would read them to me as bedtime stories. So that was kind of my intro. And then I think to his dismay, I became like really obsessed with comics and started, <laughs> you know, every time we were at the grocery store and this is going to, I'm going to date myself a little bit. They had spinner racks. Oh know? yeah. This was at a time when you couldn't get every issue. And I lived in a small town in New Hampshire where it was like, I was lucky if I could get two consistent issues or an issues that were like uh, an issue apart even. So sometimes I'd be, you know, reading these stories with like three or four issues in between and not knowing like what had happened. All you get is like the editor's note and you're like, what happened in issue 164? I'll never know. And so I would start making it up in my head. And I think that's kind of where my inherent desire to like tell stories came from. So how did you get into actually making comics? Um, I had always made comics, I think, in just high school and middle school. I, I would just make comics. I had a friend of mine and I, her and I would do stories together and on computer paper, you know, I don't think it was, I was like 17 when I first figured out that they actually were drawn big, you know, and then uh -huh. I was like, oh, I got to get like professional tools and like archival inks. And, and then I went to college for animation so okay. that you could see how well that worked out. <laughs> Have you done any animated stuff? Yeah, I yeah. actually uh, I worked on the film Super Troopers. I love Super Troopers. I, I just had the Chimbo. boys. What? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Blew your mind. Yeah. I had the the Super Troopers boys at the, at Marvel HQ no before right before the the second movie yeah. released. And yeah, they're they're tremendous. They're hilarious. I did the animation and the storyboards for that film too. So that was my first and last animation like ever. So you you did a really cool run on Punisher that was with, uh, finished with Matt Horak, but it was with Steve Dillon, yeah. uh, who is one of my all-time favorite artists. Mine too. And just like a legend. I, I remember the, the day I learned he passed. It was two years ago now? Right around yeah, New, it was New York at, Comic Con It time. was at MondoCon that morning. I talked to him, I talk about him with a lot of UK artists and stuff like that, and people who grew up similar to us, like reading, yeah. maybe it was Preacher, or it was Punisher, or it was whatever he was doing, yeah. he has such an influence. It was reading Preacher before you were supposed to read Preacher. Oh, yeah. That was the thing. Yep. <laughs> was there as well. Um, it was. It's cool because he was like the defining Punisher, basically. When you think of Punisher, you think of Punisher Max, you think of Garth Ennis, and you think of Steve Dillon. And I was really just trying to play to his strengths and write stuff that I thought he would have fun drawing. Yeah. I mean, some of his greatest stuff is just like characters and like expressions and like... All the gnarly, like, <laughs> the violence. A polar bear looking quizzical. Yeah, like, yeah. You know. There's, like, a funny quirkiness to all the dark. Like, the violence was so visceral, but there was, like, a humor that underlied the whole thing. Yeah. And how did you get the Punisher gig, and, and what did you enjoy about writing Frank um, Castle? Jake Thomas, the editor on Punisher, had called me up and was like, hey, do you ever feel like writing Punisher? And I was like, no. I never felt like, <laughs> there's never a thing I felt like doing, but now that you have my interest. My original pitch was actually Punisher in the Savage Land, and at the end he becomes like King Conan of the Savage oh. Land was the idea, but that didn't go. The Punisher in a loincloth with like a little skull <laughs> around the crotch would have been tremendous. Uh, I know, I know. I'm like blushing thinking about it because I like this idea so much. Maybe I'll pitch it later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then I, I went through with Jake a bunch of times and we pitched 
you know, what ended up happening. Jake's great. And Declan and Jordy. Oh my God. The covers. I can't even with them. They're right? so good. Yeah. So good. So good. Deck just being like, how do I fit the Punisher skull into the design? He's brilliant. Brilliant dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want him to do covers for me forever. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. He's doing some some returnable Wolverine stuff now. It's, it looks really great. What is the, the process like? Do you get involved with the cover? Like, Mm-mm. as now a writer, you're just sort of like, yeah. here's my script, bro. Yep. See ya. Yeah. With Punisher, it was just like, hey, here's the script and then Jake would kind of send over a blurb to Declan and Declan would just like go crazy. Yeah. Is it so how does it work here with Mondo, especially with the Thor piece? Yeah, you just got called up from Rob one day and yeah. he's like, "Hey, do you like this guy Thor?" Yeah. And you're like, "Yeah, he's pretty fine." Oh my God. Um and then is there a, lot, a big process for this? There um there is this one was more so because when they were they were like, "Do you want to be in a MCU show?" And I was like, oh, the Marvel Comics universe, of course. I just assumed it was going to be based on the comic Thor. They were like, oh, no, the C stands for cinematic. It's the movie. And I was like, I didn't know. Like, I just, <laughs> I, so I, like an idiot, turned in, like, nine colored thumbnails of, like, the wrong stuff. Just, like, <laughs> these are for the comics. So they're like, it's actually the movie. So I'm like, I've got to draw Chris Hemsworth, who's, like, impossibly handsome. You can't draw him. You can't capture Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> One of the, the, I visited the set when they were filming Ragnarok and he sits down in a chair and it's like a, like a comfy big chair and he sits down, legs hanging over it. He's got his like glass of water and it's just like light emitting from him. Yeah, like you look at him and you can't really see him because it's just like, what's happening? It's too much. Our (laughs) eyes can't process Yeah. That's why I had a hard time drawing it. Yeah. Really. But it's, I love even the logo on, on the piece. Oh, yeah. Like the Thor logo. That's the first time I've ever done like a new take on a logo. So I was pretty pleased with myself. Yeah. And it looks awesome. <laughs> it, it's super cool. So you mentioned Silver Surfer earlier. Is there a character, maybe Silver Surfer, another character that you just had your druthers, this is the Marvel character I'd want to dive into? Yeah, Silver Surfer. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, like, I, my Silver Surfer would be... Of course, it would go back to like the Norrin Rad, like Shala Ball kind of, kind of thing. I'd have to work in like the Skrull Cree War, and it would be like just very Celestials, maybe. You haven't given this any thought at all. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, uh, Becky, where can fans find you online, social media, all that good stuff? I'm basically at Becky Clunan everywhere, so that's me. Sweet, yeah. easy peasy. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No, thank you. All right, fifth and final artist for this special episode is Mr. Matt Taylor. He worked on one of the new Marvel Studios Black Panther posters that was on display and for sale at the event. Matt was great. He was really cool. He does a bunch of work in comics and hasn't really done stuff for Marvel proper. But with this poster, hopefully we'll see his name more and more. Let's hear from Matt right now. All right, Matt Taylor, you have just joined us and you are freshly tattooed. I am freshly tattooed, yes. How are you feeling? Slightly uncomfortable. Terrific. That's the way I like to conduct interviews. Excellent. Uh, so you've got a number of pieces here, but you have, I believe, a new piece as well yes. in the show. What yeah. do you have? Uh, Black Panther. As soon as I saw Black Panther this spring, I just kind of knew I wanted to do something for it. And when I heard that there was the Marvel show happening, I just sort of made it. that I was, if, <laughs> if they didn't mind, that I'd be very, very happy to do that, please. <laughs> and how did uh, Eric and Rob respond? They were very cool with it. They said, yes, you can absolutely do that, which is, you know, kind of what you want from an art director when you pitch them an idea. And they say, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrific. Uh, How did you get started working on these with Mondo specifically for Marvel? Well, the first one I did was Guardians of the Galaxy last summer. And that one, it kind of came back by accident because um, we were working on a another project for a a big kind of major studio movie, which I won't say the name of because it never happened, but it was something I was very enthusiastic about. And for whatever reason, it didn't really go past like sketch stage. Uh, And then Mitch Ramondo said, how do you feel about doing Guardians of the Galaxy? And I love Guardians of the Galaxy. And when they they pitched me a a project, before I'll say yes, I'll kind of see if I can work out the approach I'm going to take on it. Um, With Guardians, it was such a kind of visually interesting movie and it was so colorful and dynamic. I thought I hadn't really seen that kind of 70s style vibe really kind of tapped into and so I thought okay I'll I'll say yes and I'll see if this sketch works and if it does work then yeah we'll go forward with it and it just kind of went from there Guardians was really well received and then the trailer for Ragnarok dropped and they said do you want to do Ragnarok because it kind of plays into my wheelhouse of bright colors and like all the colors on everything and yeah Infinity War now Black Panther the Tinnies of Marvel San Diego cover it all just kind of spiraled off from there and 
I've made inquiries about um, Avengers 4, Captain Marvel, you know, if, if, if they'll let me. I'm not going to take it for granted because you don't want to assume that you're going to be given like the plum jobs that like obviously everyone wants. But, you know, as long as they keep asking me to do Marvel posters, I will carry on doing Marvel posters. Oh, one of the beautiful things is there are multiple Black Panther pieces here. There are mm -hmm. multiple Infinity War, Avengers, and, you know, all of the artists represented here, yourself included, have your own style, your own feeling. Yeah. And there's room for yeah, multiple versions. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what's so great about Mondo is the breadth of the artists they work with. You know, we are all so different and like no one's going to approach it in the same way. I mean, I didn't know that there was another Black Panther piece in the show until I literally got here. <laughs> but, you know, it's Martin Anson who just like kicks ass on everything, but is totally different for me in terms of the composition and the style of his drawing. So, I mean, now I sort of realize I've got the second best Black Panther poster in the uh... show, but that's fine because like Martin's piece is amazing and totally different. And so... You know, I hope that um, whoever doesn't like his, if that person exists, will like mine instead. So. Or they want all four. I mean, that's ideal. Yeah, that's the ideal situation. Yeah. Just buy all of them all of the time. Yeah. I want to backtrack a little bit. How mm -hmm. did you first get exposed to Marvel, the characters, the universe, all that stuff? Mm, that is a big question. I'm trying to think when I actually discovered Marvel. Like, I read comics growing up. Um, but then when I was about 13, 14, I kind of got back into comics and I ended up picking up Joe Madarara's X-Men run, and that kind of got me back into comics. And from there, I mean, I'd say through the kind of late 90s, early 2000s, it was basically Marvel for me. X-Men, Fantastic Four, Thor, loved Thor. I was so happy when I got to do Ragnarok because it's like, he's such a fun, like goofy character. Yeah. And then, you know, when the Marvel movie started coming out, I remember going to see Iron Man. I managed to catch like a preview screening of it about three or four weeks before it came out. Just sort of on the off chance, I replied to an email about something and just like blew me away that they'd managed to capture it, you know, like the comicness of it, but not in a kind of cheesy way or a kind of kitschy way. It was just like, here's a straight superhero movie and it's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, that, that was kind of it for me. And like, I've seen pretty much all the Marvel movies in the cinema and I'll carry on going to see them because they're, they're just fun. Like, there's not been a bad one. Yeah. I don't know how that's happened. Uh, how did you get into the world of, of, you know, sort of pop culture, art, and working with studios and films and all that? Well, I mean, I've been a, an illustrator for, God, like 16 years now since I graduated. And I was mainly doing kind of book covers and editorial work. And I did some work with Gallery 1988 about, must have been getting on 10, 11 years ago now. And one of the pieces I did for them, uh, Rob and Mitch, uh, Mondo art directors, saw. And so they got in touch with me and asked me if I wanted to have a, have a go. They asked me what movies I liked the look of. And uh, I did Ryan Johnson's Brick. That was like my first suggestion of a film I loved. And they just said, yeah, do that. And so I did that. They were happy with it. Ryan was happy with it. I was happy with it. It sold well. And from then, it's basically just been a continual stream of work. Like, I haven't stopped working with Mondo for the past six years now. It's like my dream job. I get to work with movie studios. Like, 12-year-old me would be losing his mind at, like, the cool <laughs> stuff I got to do. I got to go to San Diego. I did the cover for the, the souvenir book and be like a guest, a guest. And they announced it in the same wave of um, creators like Jim Lee. And I was kind of looking at this list of creators thinking, I'm, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> and that thing is me. I suspect at some point I'll get, I'll get found out that really I shouldn't be. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna tell anyone for the time being. I just hope they let me carry on doing posters. Just keep at it, just keep at it. Yeah. You also do cover art, right? For, yeah. For comics. Is there a difference in your mind of a cover art versus a poster that you're doing for a gallery? Yeah, I think so. I would say that cover art is, for one of a better word, slightly more disposable because I kind of treat it like editorial work, which I do a lot of back in the day, um, which would be in a magazine one month and it would kind of go. And, and cover work is less permanent because obviously it is on the cover of the monthly book. And, you know, it will still exist. People will keep their copies. But something like a poster is intended to go on a wall. It's intended to be something that you keep and you want to maybe look at and go back to and go back to. So I would say that the posters I tend to maybe go in a bit harder in terms of detail and composition to sort of make them visually interesting as something that you will keep coming back to. And as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at Ollie's Black Widow poster, which is like simple and bold and amazing, which completely blows my theory out of the water. But then you've got like Tyler Stout's Guardians next to it and Martin's, uh, Martin Anson's Iron Man, which are just like the most beautiful, complex illustrations that you just want to keep looking at so that you can just see every little detail, the sort of thing you want on your wall because you're not going to get tired of it because you're always going to see something new from it. Yeah. Although 
I haven't done any covers for Marvel, so you know, if you know anyone, put in a good word. I, I do. I oh, do. Oh, well, well you know. People. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you, you also said you love video games. Yes. Was it games or video games? Uh, video games. Video games. Yeah. What are you playing? Spider-Man. Obviously, everyone's playing Spider-Man. It's so good. I've, I've given up on the story mode. Um, I'm, what? Well, no. I've, I've got a. How uh, dare you? I've got a four-year-old and a two and a half week old. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, but I don't have time to like sit down and play games until like after everyone's gone to bed. So I get like half an hour at a time. And to be honest, the thing I love about Spider-Man is just swinging around the city, just like hanging out in Times Square, foiling muggers. And and like I will go and. Play Play the, like the story mode eventually, but I kind of start and I'm not great at video games. Like I don't play them a lot, and so I'll play for like 10, 15 minutes. It's like okay, I'm stuck on this same bit of trying to beat wave after wave for bad guys, or I could just swing around the city having fun. And it's like it's such a great dynamic. I love it's, that game. It's, I call it video game zen. Uh, so you you mentioned Thor a little bit earlier. Is yeah. there is Thor your favorite Marvel character? Yeah, I think so. I think he's certainly like cinematic universe. He is far and away my favorite of the characters. Um, also, Chris Hemsworth just seems like a really nice dude. Like everything I've read about him, he just seems like a really nice guy. But especially Ragnarok, I think is probably my favorite of the Marvel movies because it is so gloriously stupid, but like knows that it's stupid. Um, and Taika Waititi just put his stamp all over it, which I thought was really quite different from some of the Marvel movies in the past, which, you know, whilst good, maybe don't necessarily have like a really distinctive, like authorial voice, but that just totally did. And I loved his previous movies. So I was kind of, you know, prejudiced going in to like it. And then I did go in and like it and it just thought it was amazing. It just makes me laugh. Every time the fireworks go off from the back of the Grandmaster ship and the It's Your Birthday song comes yep. out, it just cracks me up. Yeah. Even though, I know, even though I know it's coming every time, it makes me laugh. <laughs> what about in the, the comics? In the comics, I mean, I do love Thor, again, because he's kind of, his sort of pomposity. Um, Jason Aaron's run a few years ago, the, the God Killer runs, like, it's one of my favorite, absolute favorite runs of Marvel books. I, I mean, it helps, obviously, S.O. Ribich is pretty amazing. I, he, I don't even understand. Like, no. He's incredible. I don't, I don't know how he does it. Like, as an artist, that's something you kind of get into the swing of, that you'll, you'll look at art and you'll think, okay, I want to try and break this down to work out how you've made this thing. And I... I don't get it. I've looked at his work and like I've seen him at conventions and I've looked at his pencils and I still don't understand how he does it. Yeah. Matt, where can fans find you on, on social media, online? I'm everywhere. You can find me at Matt Taylor Draws on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, matttaylor.co.uk is my website and I very rarely answer Instagram DMs. So just, just don't like, because I feel bad. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. You're welcome. Big thanks to all the artists who spent some time with me chitting and chatting and having a good time. You know, they're the stars here and it was really cool. And then super extra thanks to Eric, Rob and the whole crew at Mondo. They were wonderful letting us set up and, and record some video and, and take some audio and just hang out for a full day in the midst of them putting together one of the coolest art shows you're ever going to see for pop culture. Anyway, I'm Ryan and this is Marvel, your universe. Oh,